Imagine you're enjoying a happy little snorkel off the coast of Australia. You're obviously keeping an eye out for jellies and sharks, but wait, what's that? You see the beautifully intricate patterns of a snail shell on the ocean floor. You pick it up, but if it's a cone snail, you're in for a surprise. Considered one of the most venomous animals in the world, the geography cone snail won't think twice about injecting you full of enough painkillers to end your snorkeling trip. But this snail also has another trick up its shell, like we do here in Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. 30 minutes of interesting animal info delivered hot and steaming directly into your ear holes. Gross, but also delicious. I am Joe. And I am Carlos. And today we're talking about a snail that would leave a trail of pale dales if it were to go to a shell collecting convention in a town full of handsy guys named Dale. All right, I owe you some money for getting that right the first time. (laughs) 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 Absolutely bonkers. That is bonkers. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we're talking about a snail. And uh, not just any snail. Mm. A conus. I'm not going to say the rest. That's for later. Okay. A geography cone. You're going to leave everybody in suspense? Yes. Geography cone. Yeah. That's so underwhelming and boring. Yeah, I'm I'm picturing like a like a, a cone, like a traffic cone with a globe on it. A geography cone. Yeah. yeah. One one that you would use in your typical traffic safety classroom. Yes. Or a cone your geography teacher would use to be able to talk to the people in the back row. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they can't hear me, let me use the geography. You have to wear the yes! geography cone <laughs> like a dunce hat in the corner. Since the scientific community has seriously dropped the ball when it comes to nicknames here, I came up with a few of my own. Okay. Like the deep sea diabetical evil. Okay. That's a pretty good one. The hypoglycemic harpoon. Sweet, sweet. The uh, conical carp killer. Okay. Although I couldn't think of another, like a saltwater fish. <laughs> started with a hard K, so I went with carp. Hmm. And the last one is... The Molluscan Menace. <laughs> or the Murderous Mucus Mollusk. Oh, that's pretty good. Murderous mu- Mucus Meanie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, you ready to hear where this thing is in the taxonomical world? Yes. All right. It's in a kingdom we all know and love. Very familiar kingdom. Kingdom Animalia. A kingdom I personally think is the best kingdom. I identify with this one as well. It's in the phylum Mollusca. I haven't did, done that in a while. or we have, Yeah, we have done in a while. But we did the giant African yeah. land snail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one is not a land snail. Because it's in the class... No, not because. <laughs> but it is in the class Gastropoda. It's in several clades, which is taxonomical groups. Um, Instead of an order. Right. Here they are. Canogastropoda. Hypsnogastropoda. And Neogastropoda. That was easy. All of those are most, well, not all, all of those groups are major, the majority of them is predatory sea snails. Okay. And they are, they are in the superfamily Conidae, Pinoidae, could be. Okay. Uh, also predatory sneeze snails. Sneeze, sneezing snails. Sneeze snails. Family Conidae, those are cone snails. Uh, and the genus is Conus, making the species Conus geographus. The geography cone. Yeah. <laughs> I try to find out 
where why it's called that? You try to find out why it's called that? No one actually knows. Nope. So, Only yeah. some, like, 18th century explorer knows why it's called that. Possibly because it's all over the place, but more on that later. Um, let me describe it to you, listener, who has never perhaps seen it and is maybe driving right now and can't Google it. <laughs> um, sea snails have, or this particular sea snail, uh, has a cylindrical shell, meaning it is... You know, oval-shaped and round. It's not conical? No. It's not a cone? No. Well, it kind of... There was a cone... Conishness near... Uh, there's conishness. There's just... Yeah. There's just so much wrong with the name of no, this. No, there's conishness. It's it's thin on one side and thicker on another, so that's Coney Island. Um, <laughs> the shell has a base pinkish color, so it's like a pinkish white. It can be completely white or completely pink, um, and somewhere in between. It's a spectrum. Um, Isn't with, it sometimes brown? Well, it has brownish-red splotches that form thick, broken bands all over it. Okay. The snail's visible foot is also blotchy with brown, yellow, and tan coloration. So is mine. Like fake harvest time corn decorations. You know, like this yeah. fake? Yeah. Yep. Um, it's like, this corn is spoiled. That's how you know it's fall. <laughs> <laughs> it has a proboscis, which protrudes from the side Ew. opposite the apical side. Which is the spiral part. Okay. So the, sp- the other side of the spiral part is where the proboscis comes out. The proboscis sheathes a sinister tooth, which can shoot out at unsuspecting fish. Or just like really chilled out fish, as we'll go, as we'll go into later. More on that later. But for, for right now, we've reached a critical juncture in the episode. Juncture? Juncture. And a juncture... I'm not ready for this. Is just happens to be the listener's favorite part of the show, uh, as per a Twitter poll. We need to run another poll. <laughs> um, it's the sh- it's the this the it's the part of the show that we like to call three two one. Measure up. I think there was some some cooping, maybe some voter fraud. <laughs> no, some no ghost voting. All, all above board. All um, what? <laughs> all above vo- above board. That means. All above board. Yeah. All aboard above. <laughs> Cut uh, that. Above board, you've never heard that? <clears throat> it means everything is on the up and up. I've heard that. Yeah. Here we go. Measure up the part of the show where I, Joe, present you, Carlos, with questions, the answers of which will give the listener a better understanding of the size and dimensions and measurements that involve this animal. That sounded like marriage vows. That I, Joe, present to you. <laughs> yes, because it's that important. I don't. The institution of the measure up. <laughs> Let's start with length. We've only got two today. Length, four Thanks. inches or 10 centimeters to six inches or 15 centimeters. Let's average that at about five inches. Sounds good. How many microzooplanktons, the smallest zooplankton, go into a cone snail? <laughs> 865,000. 865,000. That's a fair guess cuz so, microzooplankton are very small. Yes. But the correct the correct answer is 127,000. At least I was in the same number of digits. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's commendable. <laughs> Just 8 times smaller. Plus like microzooplankton wide range of size. Yeah. Or rather, zooplankton in a 
What micros are playing are pretty small. Like it could be the size of just your average tiny cell, or it could be like the size of a tardigrade. Who knows? So let's move on to shell size. The size of the shell. Um, it's 43 millimeters, between 43 millimeters and 166 millimeters. Let's average that at about 105 millimeters or 4.1 inches. How many cone snail shells go into the height of one shell plaza, the skyscraping headquarters of the Shell Oil Company, without the antenna? Oh, dang it. I knew it just off the top of my head with the <laughs> antenna, but you got me with that one. But you don't know the exact height of the antenna, so you can't just minus it. Right, that's the problem. Or subtract is how you say that in the scientific community. Where is this headquarters? Texas. Figures. I think, which is a good guess. Actually, I didn't figure that at all. I didn't even know they had a headquarters. I assumed they did, but, you know. How many inches? 4.1? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right, so <laughs> about two and a half of these go into a foot. I'm going to say that this building is, I mean, you said a sci- skyscraping? Yep. I'm going to say it's like oops, 900 to 1,000 feet tall. It's pretty tall. I think mm-hmm. the tallest building ever is like eighteen hundred feet tall. So let's just let's just call it a, a solid twenty three hundred. It is two thousand and ninety three. Not bad. Dang. Not bad. The 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 height the actual height of the tower is seven hundred and fifteen feet or two hundred and eighteen meters. Okay, so I got it. I was you're in the range. It's pretty much. Those were two pretty good ones. Yeah. I, I, like I said, it's a kinder, gentler season to measure up. <laughs> um, Although I, I still could have been way off. Maybe I should do that as a poll. Do 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 listeners enjoy the kinder, gentler measure I, up? They they don't like me. <laughs> they want to hear you sing. Oh yeah, I, I forgot to include a song in here. I'm gonna have to sing something. <laughs> All right, where they at? Ooh, they everywhere. Um, <laughs> Who are you? That's actually in my notes. <laughs> this should have been Uday everywhere. I said Uday everywhere. Every- <laughs> uh, they are located in the Red Sea, the Indian Ocean, off the Chagos, Reunion is a place. That sounds like a good Madagascar, place. Muritus, yeah, sure. Mozambique, off the coasts of these places. Oh, you my, mean mind M- you. M- Maridius or whatever? Maridius? Yeah. Sounds right. And Tanzania, they're off the coast of all the places, but they're also in reefs in the all over the Indo-Pacific region, which is the Indian Ocean to the Pacific Ocean, mm-hmm. around Australia. Not in Hawaii, though. It's too touristy for them. They will not set foot in Hawaii. It's And also there's, like, volcanoes, and they're afraid of those. Yeah, they're not down. Um, it prefers shallow reefs and settles in the sandy sediments. Nice. Yeah. It sounds peaceful. It is. It's a very peaceful animal, except for everything about it. <laughs> it moves slowly uh, let's talk about how it hunts I have a nice little diagram here did you draw anything? no but it, it, that, that was way too complicated I didn't want to draw cauliflower <laughs> um, yeah it is disgusting looking but I'm looking at proboscis harpoons venom and ve- venom and, hmm, that venom and, that, that sweet venomy taste <laughs> venom duck. sprinkle some venom on that harpoon sacks all right, here, let's talk about all that. It preys on small fish by shooting them, shooting at them with their proboscis tooth harpoon. The tooth shoots out telescopically, if that's a word, and injects the Definitely. prey with a crazy cocktail of death. I have here written, 
Oh, death, where is your sting? <laughs> it's right here. Asks First Corinthians. It's right here, says the cone snail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most conesmen have a scary have have scary venoms, but the geography cone snail uh, has venom that's powerful enough to kill a people. A many people. A many people. In fact, it has killed more than 30 people. In fact, it's killed 31 of the 36 people that have ever been killed by a cone snail. Wow. So, 31. More than 30 humans? 31 humans. <laughs> <laughs> but of all, in the in the 300 years that they've been observing cone snails, 36 people have been documented to die from them. And this snail is responsible for 31 of those. <laughs> uh, so it's the deadliest of the snails. It is indeed. The venom is estimated to be able to kill a 100 and 100. Okay, so I would give a little disclaimer here. I did some math and I did Uh-oh. had to do two equations. Uh-oh. And I am not confident in the correctness of this. <laughs> if you know the correct answer or if you think I'm wrong, let us know on on Facebook or Twitter or email us. LDTaxonomy at gmail.com. LDTaxonomy everywhere. Just yes, do that. Yes, yes. The venom is estimated to be able to kill a 100-pound person with just 0.136 milligrams. How many... Here and here, here we go. Here's a little <laughs> bonus episode, a little bonus measure up. How okay. many times lighter is that than a snowflake? How many lethal doses of this venom go into one snowflake? It's called like conotoxin, right? This venom? Sure. That helps me figure it out. <laughs> um, point zero what? Point one three six. Ooh, point one three six. Mm. Hmm. Milligrams. Well, I'm gonna say it's 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 ten times lighter than a snowflake. It's twenty two times lighter. A snowflake is about three milligrams. Okay, that could have been worse. <laughs> uh, it has caused paralysis with much less of the toxin than that. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy that a, that a 1 22nd, sec, 2nd, 1 22nd. Yeah. Yes. Of the, I've never had to say that fraction <laughs> before. 1 22nd of the, uh, of a snowflake worth of this toxin can kill you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Estimated. Okay. So the venom is made up of between 100 and 200 different toxic chemicals. However, only 15 to 20 are used when hunting. The rest are reserved for defense. Seems Ooh. like overkill. So if it if it pokes you, yeah. then you're going to get a, a different dose than your average tropical fish. Unless it's being really ambitious. It's like, hmm, this is a big one. I better I better bring out the big guns. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the venom also has a powerful opioid-like protein, which is opioids are what painkillers are made of, like morphine and heroin. And heroin. Yeah. Uh, so in high doses, opioids can stop your breathing. These proteins ha- are 10,000 times more powerful than morphine. Yeah. And heroin is a hundred times more powerful than morphine. So yeah. that makes it a thousand times yeah. more powerful. No, no. Makes it a hundred times more powerful than heroin. Yes. Currently there are synthetic opioids on the market called carfentanil that is used to treat elephants and will quickly kill human beings. However, the proteins in the cones, snail, venom are highly selective, which means they might be able to be that powerful without 
causing addictive or dangerous side effects like other opioids. Because it's not an opioid. It's opioid-like. Yeah. It's op- I did not see anything definitive saying it was, in fact, an opioid, but it said it was able to bind to opioid receptors. So it's at least shaped like one. I feel like that makes it an opioid. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, I call bull on that. <laughs> I doubt it. Um, we don't fully understand why opioids stop breathing or o- cause certain overdose symptoms, which are deadly, and how they do that. So if it binds to opioids with such power and ferocity... I bet it would also cause a dangerous overdose. Mark my words. <laughs> Consider them marked. I've got them right here. <laughs> okay, good. They're now available for all to hear. Yeah. On the internet forever. So that leads me to one final thing I don't understand. With such a powerful venom, that's all well and good. But how can such a slow, salty snail, not salty at all. Uh, it is, it salty. is salty. It's covered in water. How could it possibly catch a fish with such snail speeds? I am glad you asked, and I didn't prompt or lead that question at all. Is it as silent as an owl in flight? It's pretty quiet. It's a snail. <laughs> I would imagine it is. What does the snail say? That's the question. It just says... <laughs> I love it. That's what it says. Mm. That means, hello, I, I'm, an, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. Will you accept my harpoon? And the answer is no. <laughs> will you, Joe, accept my harpoon? <laughs> I will not. Um, two words for how a snail can catch a fish. Weaponized insulin. If you're not familiar what insulin is, let me give you a quick rundown. When we have an excess of sugar in our bodies, which is all the time... Because donuts and cookies are good. Yep, I just had a brownie before this episode, <laughs> and so I have an excess of sugar in my in my body. Uh-huh. And so when that happens, your body releases a hormone called insulin to help your blood absorb the sugar and get it out of your system. Um, people who have... If you have too little insulin, then you probably have type 2 diabetes. Yeah. Um, and if you have too much, then... You're probably you're gonna. It's gonna take all the sugar out of your uh, bloodstream, and then you're gonna have hypoglycemia. Right. Um, so this which makes your head swim when you stand up. Does it? I think so. I thought it was just because I have bad circulation and I need to hit the gym. That's different things. Yeah. I need to find a guy named Jim. And just just hit him. <laughs> He'll be like, "All right, here's here's your free pass for good circulation. <laughs> here's one free pass to stand up without a light being lightheaded." <laughs> So what the cunt snail does is it does the second thing. It um, will like turn a, a corner in a reef and be like, oh, look, look at all the look at all the blue in the water I see. And then, look, there's a fish. Uh-huh. It's probably way faster than me. Yeah. I'm going to just send a little love its way. And by love, I mean insulin. It's going to like flood the water around the fish. The fish says, give me some sugar. And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to take that away from you. I'm going to take your sugar away. <laughs> Give me some sugar. <laughs> so the water around the fish is suddenly like filled with insulin and other chemicals um, that are that also like kind of mellow it out. But it kind of goes into hypoglycemic shock almost immediately. Same. So it kind of just floats there and freaks out. And I'm imagining this from the perspective of the fish. And so you're just kind of swimming along, maybe looking at something, and suddenly, like you're just like, I, I don't, I don't feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Stark. And then you kind of look over, and there's a snail just slowly making its way toward you. 
<laughs> Mr. Starkfish, I don't feel so good. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> don't talk about what that is. <laughs> All right. Um, so the, when the insulin enters the fish's gills, it goes into hypoglycemic shock, which makes it really pacified, and it doesn't want to go. It doesn't want to go. <laughs> um, so the stunned fish is now just sitting there, and the snail slowly makes its way up to it, and then extends its proboscis, which is, looks like a giant net mouth. Hmm. It looks bigger than the, the snail itself sometimes, just this huge mouth extends open and around the fish that is helpless to move because it's going through hypoglycemic shock. <laughs> and then while it's in the like the mouth of this snail, the snail just shoots it with a with a like a tooth needle full of opioids. Yep. And then the fish go, dies and then it eats it and then a couple of days later it spits out a bunch of fish bones. I hope it's a painless death. You know that you know that fun show? Fishbone. Oh, what's the story with Fishbone? What's the story, Fishbone? <laughs> but it's pretty crazy to watch. Like imagine, imagine. I don't, like I don't know if the fish, how how there a fish is when it comes to its brain. Probably not a lot. So it's just hanging out, and then suddenly it's like, oh, I don't feel so good. And then it kind of looks over, and you're like, and like I imagine it fading out and fading back in, and fading out and fading back in, and like this every time it does that, the snail is getting closer, <laughs> and suddenly like this, its giant mouth opens up and just consumes you, and then just this, this like needle from Alien like just comes out and hits you in the face, and <laughs> then you then you're slowly digested, maybe even a little bit alive. Sounds like a bad situation. Well, you're full of opioids, so it doesn't hurt. That's true. It doesn't hurt at all. <laughs> Hook me up, fisherman. I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> so the interesting thing is that scientists are currently looking at the uh, the conus geographus, this, this molluscan meanie, hmm. um, for a possible better solution to diabetes. So when you have diabetes, you're lacking insulin, so uh, sugar stays in your bloodstream for too long. And um, you need constant injections of insulin at specific intervals mm. uh, in order to keep to be able to absorb that sugar. So this, the cone snail's uh, insulin, is very similar to a human's insulin in structure. And different in, than the cone snail's own insulin. Yeah, that it uses for itself, yeah. the blood sugar that it has. So like if it accidentally eats a strawberry. It doesn't die <laughs> of strawberry. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Ran over a strawberry. <laughs> he runs over it and accidentally eats it and dies because it doesn't have good enough insulin. But yeah, it's it seems very specific, almost tailored um, to human insulin. So it can be used possibly uh, as a much more effective insulin than the insulin that we currently use yeah. for people who have type 2 diabetes. So the jury is still out on that. But we'll see if this super venomous snail did we did we say that this is like based on some of the um the findings that this snail could be the most venomous animal on earth oh yes we did okay good all of these things in nature that have opioids that perfectly bind to human opioid receptors and insulin that perfectly works in human systems it's in the bottom of the ocean why is it why <laughs> why does that work why does it work the answer is God leaves Easter eggs. 
That's what it is. Don't pick up these Easter eggs, man. <laughs> well, use gloves. No, it's it goes through like diving gloves and stuff like that. Well, the, how do they the probis the the um the the needle part? So how do they research them? With like tongs, forceps, yeah, S- salad tongs, salad tongs, yeah. <laughs> Bring your salad tongs. Easter basket. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to, yeah, you got to use the salad tongs. Put it in your Easter basket, and then yeah. you're good to go. But yeah, um, don't mess with these guys because they will stab you. Right, man. Yeah, without with, hesitation. Yeah, with Carfence and all. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so you got anything else? I sure don't. All right, so for you all out there, go snorkeling, check your blood sugar, and for goodness sake, don't pick up those Easter eggs, <laughs> which is your PSA from Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Uh, we've been searching the Himalayas for days now. I don't think we're going to find a Yeti, no matter how much we want to. Also, I think we're lost? No, we're not. Let me ask our Sherpa. Ah! It's Vespasian! What did you do with Bata? And why do his clothes fit you so well? What, what did he say? He said that Botza left because he wanted to leave a review for Life, Death, and Taxonomy on Apple Podcasts or some other podcasting app, and also to buy some neat LDT merchandise from tpublic.com. Are you sure it wasn't because we told him we were looking for yetis? Let me ask. (gasps) Vespasian's gone. Mm, Well, let's get back to town. There's no signal out here, and I want to read Bats' review for LDT. Maybe Vespasian was the Yeti we were looking for all along. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Braintrust Brothers Network. For more information about this podcast or others, visit Braintrustbros.com. Boy, these guys wanted to eat you. They ain't never tasted Terran before.